school, and as he humbly said, he's been a student his whole life, from high school to ISKCON. But he's more than just a student, he's also a mentor, an inspiration, and he has uh, you know, created amazing projects, inspired many other people to share Krishna consciousness with others. So please, three loud Hari Bols for His Grace, Vaisheshika Prabhu. Hari
such a deep relationship with the Srimad Bhagavatam, it actually uh, can cause wonder to the mind. We hear of Gadada Pandit, whose copy of the Bhagavatam was practically unreadable because the ink had become completely blotched because when he was reading Srimad Bhagavatam, streams of tears were coming from his eyes and therefore it was uncontrollable that level of connection with the Srimad Bhagavatam. It said that there are two types of people who connect with the Srimad Bhagavatam. One type of person goes to the Srimad Bhagavatam to absorb their mind and heart, to learn from the Bhagavatam. And after they've learned from the Bhagavatam, then they come out into the world and they try to apply that knowledge. And that's very wonderful. But it said that there's a second type of person who goes into the Bhagavatam and just stays there. Because the Bhagavatam is not a book. The Bhagavatam is the pastimes of the Lord. And the pastimes of the Lord, Radha, Krishna, Nitya, Lila, Gorila, Prakash, the pastimes of the Lord are eternally going on. So the one who has achieved that kind of connection, that kind of love, they open the Bhagavatam not so that they can come back to this world, 
But they open the Bhagavatam so they can enter into that world. They don't come back to Bhagavatam to come back to this world and create a peaceful situation. But they go to the Bhagavatam to stay there and experience transcendental bliss. Would you like to do that? Yes. Would you like to do that? But right now it may seem a little bit far. The closest we have to staying in the Bhagavatam is sometimes falling asleep while we read it. <laughs> 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 we're definitely staying there. <laughs> but still, the Bhagavatam is so important for us. Devotees, they say many things every single day. Of course, they say the Hare Krishna mantra every single day. That's the most chanted mantra of the devotees. The second most chanted mantra is Sharidara Vidyajaj. <laughs> but the, probably the third most chanted mantra of the devotees is Jai. Radha Gokhrananda Ki. Jai. Pradhananda Manadham Ki. Jai. His grace Vaisheshkupabu Ki. Jai. All of you Ki. Jai. So we're constantly through our day saying Jai. What does Jai mean? Jai means victory. Jai means to conquer. It's very, very significant, actually. Because when the Bhagavatam begins, then we have this very, very beautiful verse. Narayanam namaskritya narayanam devim sarasvadim vyasam tatol Every single living entity in this world is on a conquest. Every single living entity in this world is trying to conquer something. And when you come to Krishna consciousness, you don't stop that conquest. Maybe your conquest just changes. In the material world, people are trying to conquer the corporate ladder. People are trying to conquer over their friends and families, their enemies. One nation is trying to conquer over another nation. One living entity is trying to conquer over another. But when you come to spiritual life, the conquest doesn't stop. But the conquest simply changes. And therefore, the Bhagavatam says that the devotee who goes on the spiritual path is actually on a conquest, is actually on a mission. I grew up in Wembley. I remember when I was very young, there was a, a Golf GTI with tinted windows, subwoofers on the back, lowered uh, suspension, alloy wheels, pumping out R&D. It was coming down the road, and in the front, it had a sign, on a mission. <laughs> okay. That's Wembley for you. But a devotee is on a mission. A devotee is on a mission of conquest. And what we're learning right at the beginning of the Bhagavatam is that the Bhagavatam is the very means of conquest. In other words, if you want to be successful on your mission to conquer in this world, the Bhagavatam is the very means of conquest. Let me share with you some of the conquests that a devotee is on in this world. The first thing that we do as devotees is we are on a conquest over ignorance. 
Out there in the world, there is so much ignorance. Kalal Nastad Visham Esha. This world is in complete darkness. People are lost. People don't really have a clue at all of how to find happiness. And therefore, a devotee is on a conquest to remove that ignorance. But know for sure that there's no way to remove ignorance in the world unless you bring the Bhagavatam into the equation. Because Kalau Nasta Drisha Mesha Pura Narko The Bhagavatam is the only thing that can give light. Einstein said, you can't solve the problems of the world with the same type of thinking that created them. So what the devotees do is they realize in their conquest to remove ignorance from this world, you have to bring the Bhagavatam into the equation. And therefore, when Srila Prabhupada started his conquest against ignorance, he didn't want to come to America until what? First, he had the Bhagavatam translated. Dharvad, Vishargo, because the Bhagavatam will create the revolution in society. So if you want to be successful in your conquest over ignorance in this world, the Bhagavatam must be there. It's the very means of conquest. But the devotee is on another type of conquest as well. They realize that the ignorance isn't just out there in the world. Sometimes the ignorance is right there within our own consciousness. Overcome by the mind and the senses at every moment. Vacho Vegam, Manasakoda Vegam, Jiva Vegam, Pudarapasta Vegam, all these pushings of the mind and the senses. When the body said to me after Japa time, he said, My mind during Japa time is like a horror movie. <laughs> We have that experience of how the mind and the senses are completely bombarding us and attacking us relentlessly. No mercy, merciless. The Bhagavatam is the very means of conquest if you want to conquer all the mind and senses. Because the Bhagavatam shows the stories of the personalities who conquered their mind and senses. The Bhagavatam tells us of the traps that they fell into and the things that we should be careful of. The Bhagavatam teaches us how to strengthen our intelligence so that when our emotions become very, very strong, we can not give in to them. And in this way, if you want to learn to become a Goswami, a controller of the mind and senses, you cannot do it without the help of the Bhagavatam. Because the Bhagavatam is the very means of conquest, to conquer over your own mind and senses. But actually we are on another conquest even further than that. We're not just trying to conquer ignorance in the world, we're not just trying to conquer our own mind and senses, but we're also trying to conquer over our own pride. Because some people may have controlled their mind and senses. Fasting from food, but feasting on the ego. Because still, even when we become accomplished in devotional service and are able to control our mind and senses, 
To still get rid of the pride is very difficult. To conquer the ego is so hard. Therefore, again, the Bhagavatam is the very means of conquest. Because in the Bhagavatam, in relation to the great devotees in the Bhagavatam, we realize, oh, maybe I'm spoiled. Maybe I'm not so big as I thought. One time devotees were having a conversation and someone said, oh no, that, he's a big devotee. Prabhupada, big devotee? I was like, Narad Muni is big devotee. <laughs> In the midst of the characters of the Bhagavatam, then we realize, who am I? Very small, very insignificant. When we hear of Druva's determination, or determination to conquer the heart of Krishna. How will you learn to conquer the heart of Krishna if you don't reach the Bhagavatam? Because the very climax, the very uh, zenith of the Bhagavatam is the 10th canto in which we're hearing about the pastimes of love between Krishna and his most intimate devotees. It is said sometimes that the Bhagavatam represents different limbs of Krishna. And then sometimes it's said that the 10th canto is the smiling face of Krishna. But then other commentators say the 10th canto is actually the heart of Krishna. And if the 10th canto is the heart of Krishna, then the five chapters where Krishna is dancing with his most confidential devotees in the moonlit nights in the groves of Vrindavan and the Rasa Panchadhyaya, they say, if the 10th canto is the heart of Krishna, then those five chapters are the five life years of Krishna. In other words, the Bhagavatam is not just introducing us to the smile of Krishna, but the heart of Krishna. But not just the heart of Krishna, the very life ears of Krishna. And so if we want to learn what the spirit of the Brajabhasis is, that makes them so empowered to conquer Krishna's heart, then we have to read Srimad Bhagavatam. And then we have to understand, oh yes, I have to try to follow in the footsteps. The essence of all advice is that somehow or other you have to hear, chant, remember the glories of the devotees in Vrindavan, and then follow in their footsteps, imbibing their mood of complete fearlessness, complete flexibility, completely fully available for fulfilling Krishna's desires. And in this way, step by step, we're learning that the Bhagavatam is helping me to conquer different things and ultimately to conquer Krishna's heart. And therefore, Srila Prabhupada was so kind, he gave us the Bhagavatam. Here when we see, these are not just books, these are the the very means of conquest. Because every single mission that we're on in life will be successful if we bring and keep the Bhagavatam very close to our hearts.
also all of you have this sense of mission that is hanging on that sign of the God GTI or whatever it was. <laughs> We're on a mission. And I can feel it here in the room with all of you. It's quite exciting to have a mission. It's something that humans do naturally. People going to football matches and becoming one and then becoming unruly is famous. It's the stuff of PhD theses to figure out why people do that. Humans want to come together for some purpose that's bigger than themselves only. Most people miss the point and they lose track of what the ultimate goal of what life is. It's so important to know that, that the sages came together at Nagasharanya, which is the opening of the book. They've gathered there to discuss what is the point of life and where should I put my valuable human energy. And what comes out is the most clear directive of how we can all use our human energy for the highest purpose of life. The Srimad Bhagavatam is revered even in academic circles. There are many Vedic Shastras. They are known to scholars who marvel over them and therefore study them very deeply. And there's a consensus amongst scholars who study Indology and Sanskrit that the Srimad Bhagavatam is the best of all. Just speaking from an academic point of view, not mentioning the opinion of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and the great Acharyas, which I'll mention in a minute. Scholars see that the Srimad Bhagavatam, just from the point of view of language, has not only classical Sanskrit, but also Vedic Sanskrit, which is very rare, not many people even know how to read it. And it has, in many cases, a vocabulary and language of its own that is gleaned from the commentaries of the great Acharyas who comment so frequently on the Bhagavatam that it is considered to be fully intact. It's one of the ways that various Shastras are watched over. They're watched over, for instance, the Bhagavad Gita, although it's in the Mahabharata, which is known to be corrupted, not in a spiritual sense, the message is clear, but it also has interpolations from various cultures. It's not consistent. You'll read one Mahabharata in South India, one in North India, but there's slightly different accounts of what has happened. But the Bhagavad Gita is the same as it ever was because it's one of the most read texts by the Acharyas and most commentated upon of all the texts. And therefore, it's been carefully guarded and watched over. And similarly with Srimad Bhagavatam, of course, it's considered to be one of the Puranas. But 
out of all the Puranas, it is the most revered and commentated upon by the Acharyas. The next runners up are the Padma Purana. After Srimad Bhagavatam has at least 30 commentaries available now by various Acharyas, uh, Padma Purana, and some others. I think Padma has maybe three or four maximum. The scholars recognize also the, the meter of the Srimad Bhagavatam, which is as Anishnup, and various other meters. Some of them are unique only to the Bhagavatam as they bring out the, the mood and feeling of the circumstances within the Bhagavatam. This is also noted by great scholars and academics. So the literature itself is sublime in all ways. When we come into the realm of the devotees, the great acharyas, and of course Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who's our main Acharya in our line of the Gaudiya Vaishnavas. He always puts it on the top list. In fact, all the Acharyas do. We'll find when he talks Sanatana Goswami, devotional service. He gave 64 items of devotional service, and then he said five out of the 64 are the most potent. In fact, he said they're so potent that even if you don't have faith in them, and even if you only have a little contact with them, you'll still attain perfection. And one of those fives is hearing Srimad Bhagavatam, the association of like-minded devotees who are more advanced than oneself. In the Chaitanya Manjusha, which gives a summary of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's purposes, sort of a mission statement. It says, Arajo Bhagavan Rajesha Taniyastas Dhamma Vrindavana Ramyana Kachira Pasana Rajavidiva Vendamal Kupita Srimad Bhagavatam Kamaramamalam Premam Kumarko The names of the Dhamma Krishna is not different from him, but the best method for Worshipping Krishna is that which was conceived of by the gopis of Vrindavan. The, the Srimad Bhagavatam is the spotless Purana. It's perfect in all ways, and it's our authority on everything. And that the ultimate goal of life is to attain prema, or pure love for Krishna. The Srimad Bhagavatam is non-different from Krishna, and the means for developing one's relationship with Krishna. Lord Brahma, who is the most intelligent person in the universe, after coming in intimate contact with Krishna and his pastimes of Vrindavan and realizing his glory and power fully surrendered to him and gave us instructions that come in the 10th canto, 14th chapter of the Bhagavatam. And one of those instructions, continuing on your theme of conquering Krishna, Brahma says, you should give up speculating about the absolute truth and just hear from the Bhagavatam, from whatever position you're in now. Jnani, Vriyasa, Mudapasinamakya, Eva, Jivanti, Sanam, Mukha, 
of what all the Vedas are pointing to, and that is bhakti to Krishna is the most important. We find that the wives of the brahmanas, who are normally there submissive to their great brahmana husbands, but the wives become the gurus in that pastime. And when we find in Bali Maharaj that one should never disrespect or disobey the guru, and then we find Bali Maharaj disobeys his guru because it's all about devotion to Krishna. We find Ritrasura, who's a demon in the Rig Veda, becomes the hero of the story even more than Indra because he has bhakti. And we find Pralat Maharaj, who's considering how to offer prayers to the Lord and then thinks of Gajendra and says, well, if an elephant can do it, maybe I can too. I just have to be sincere. So if one sincerely hears the Bhagavatam, Sadyo then Krishna won't leave your heart. Prophet says he becomes compact within your heart. And in the, the commentary to that verse, Jivishanak Chakravarti Thakur quotes from the 11th chapter of the Srimad Bhagavatam, second chapter, 55th verse, which is the very last one that he says. He's describing what is the topmost uh, devotee. This is Kabiyogendra. Uh, and he says that the Lord's tendency is that if he notices anyone who listens to the holy name or accidentally hears it or says it, that he'll destroy mountains of sins within the heart of that person. And nasha, that all those sins within the heart are destroyed. What to speak of somebody, who leans into the topic, that becomes their main focus. That person has pranaya rasanaya, ropes of love that tie the lotus feet of Krishna. And he can't get away. <laughs> it's the direct method for contacting Krishna, holding on to Krishna, and entering into the spiritual world through the Srimad Bhagavatam. So when we are approaching the Bhagavatam, we do so with the vetting of all the great acharyas who revere the Bhagavatam, worship the Bhagavatam. It's the ultimate authority on all things. Whatever other scriptures say, you have to come back to the Bhagavatam and say, is it parallel with what the Srimad Bhagavatam says and so forth. And as Maharaj mentioned, there's a way in which Shil Prabhupada didn't leave Vrindavan until he had it in hand. And there's a wonderful picture of Prabhupada holding one of the first volumes that he had produced, like this. And it looks as if he should be standing at the very tip of the Jalaguta with the Bhagavatam in hand. Because practically that's what's happening. He came to New York City and People say that he had 
only seven rupees. But that's not true. He actually had $25 because he sold a set of Bhagavatams to the captain before he got off the ship. Do you know that? And what's more, Ramananda Prabhu told me that Prabhupada used to, when he first got to New York City, go uptown with three bus transfers to get to the New York Public Library. Because in the library was this Bhagavatam. It arrived before him. Because Prabhupada went alone in Vrindavan and he spent a lot of time in Delhi typing and typing and typing and publishing and he had then gone out to sell some of his Bhagavatams and one of the places he sold them, 16 sets in fact of the first canto with three volumes, to the Library of Congress. The Library of Congress dispatches important books to libraries, major libraries all over the world. And one of those sets that Prabhupada sold while he was still in India, before he came to America, to the Library of Congress, ended up on the shelves of the New York Public Library. And Brahmananda Prabhu told me that Prabhupada used to go there, that was his entertainment. <laughs> to go there and see that it was on a shelf and to see who had checked it out. He was so concerned with bringing the vibration of the Bhagavatam as the very means of conquest. And on the Jalajinti, he said, by this vibration alone, the hearts of the people will be changed. And he quoted the entire paragraph starting with Srimpatam Svakata Krishna, Punya Shravana Kirtana. And all of you know those verses because you memorized the second chapter of the Bhagavatam already, right? <laughs> as a future investment. So when we take Bhagavatam house to house, when we offer it to other people, we're giving the most valuable gift that we could possibly give. So much so that the Bhagavatam itself says, if you do this, if you pass the Bhagavatam on to others, and remember, there weren't high-speed printing presses thousands of years ago. Does that make sense? Say yes. <laughs> well, we saw Ramananda Roy's Srimad Bhagavatam set. It's, it's on palm leaves. And it's a greatly coveted item to have a full Bhagavatam on a palm leaf set because it was written by hand and now we're mass producing it. But if we have a clear idea of what we're distributing and what the implications of putting this in somebody's house is, then we'll become enlightened to do it. And I find this taking the set into people's homes, one of the decisions, even if they have an idea of what the Bhagavatam is, I mean, to some degree, sometimes people come from very pious uh, backgrounds and they'll say, oh, Bhagavatam. They still have to make a life choice because there's only so much room in your house, right? <laughs> and if a sociologist is coming over to study your family, you'll move things around to make sure it portrays exactly what your, your, your values should be before they get there. 
And so when you put the Bhagavatam in your house, it's undeniable that you're a Hare Krishna. <laughs> I mean, you can't get away with it. Once you put the Bhagavatam in somebody's house, from high above the earth, the devas, of course this is from the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, they worship the homes of those who carefully keep the Vaishnava literatures. I imagine they have some, some technology like infrared where they can look down and they'll see some kind of spiritual emanation coming from the houses that are keeping the Bhagavatam set. And one house we went to where such pious people were, there were about seven of us going up and down the hallways of a large apartment complex. And the family understood the implication of letting us in the door. It was a tacit understanding that we let you in, we owe you something. So, at least a glass of water. So when we were standing out there for some time, back and forth, and finally they let us in. And we sat down and began presenting the Bhagavatam. The main reason they said that they couldn't take the Bhagavatam at that time was because they didn't have space for it. And I have photographic evidence of this, but we went over and we, I said, well, let's look around just for a second and see. <laughs> and I found a shelf that had so much clutter on it. It had old games. Any of you have this? old games, books that have been probably half-read and not worth reading anymore. There's a hairbrush, there's a few bottles of half-used shampoo. And I said, what about this? And they kind of looked at the Bhagavatam and they looked at the shelf and used a comparison. And they, they really couldn't make an argument for that. That these things are so important we have to have on the shelf. So we kind of all looked at them and said, how about it? We'll help you clean off the shelf. And then when the cleansing process started, they started moving things. And what a joyous time that was. They were moving off all these items that meant nothing to, to them uh, and it had no positive influence in their life whatsoever. They were simply visual noise that they'd gotten accustomed to. And now as we moved up and we asked for a damp cloth and we washed off the shelf and we moved the Bhagavatam onto the shelf. And then we took pictures of us all standing there in front of the newly installed set of Bhagavatams in their house. We knew that we had conquered a family and that there's a way in which they'll never be the same with the Bhagavatam in their home. So a practical point of view, we're dealing with the most esoteric spiritual literature in the world confirmed by the great Acharyas, confirmed by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who lived for the Bhagavatam and to hear the Bhagavatam, and by great scholars as well. And then we're, we've been handed a service that's so verified, the opportunity to convince people to take the Srimad Bhagavatam in their home and to start to hear Srimad Bhagavatam in association with devotees. And there are living examples of people who are meat eating meat and then got a set of Bhagavatams. And one of our now biggest Bhagavatam distributors tells his own story about how when he got the Bhagavatam in his home, his life started to change. And one night when he was having his dinner, which included meat, he just stopped and he couldn't do it anymore. 
he just couldn't do it anymore. And one thing led to another, and he started chanting, and the influence of the Bible found in people's lives is undeniable. So we've been past this, well, I'm not going to say torch, because that sounds really cliche. But we've been, we've been, Prabhupada passed it on to us, not just distributing the Bible Tom, but making it our life and soul. We were just talking in the Guru School about various options of hearing because that's always there. And unless we hold the space with Bhagavatam and listen very carefully and experience the change ourselves, as Maharaj was mentioning, it takes place within the heart. As we do that, then we become more and more convinced to make it available to the whole world. And the, the last point before we have more conversation is that the best way to preserve the culture of Bhagavatam is to distribute it. After all, when it goes out to homes and institutions all over the world, it will be around for a long time. And no matter how jumbled the world gets, geopolitically or any other way, there's a way in which the Bhagavatam will always be there. The devas will always fly over and see those spots of light. So, I could say that Prophet's main purpose, one of his main purposes was to see that the Bhagavatam got out to people all over the world. And it hasn't been done yet. We're just getting started. And it is our main mission. The seventh purpose of this con to distribute books and literatures. It was the book that Prophet chose to bring with him before any other book to make sure that everyone had it. And uh, we're very fortunate to have that opportunity. And it's my personal opinion that the UK Yatra could be the most successful of all the devotees in the world because you have the best and brightest here in, in the United Kingdom. And that with a little bit of organization and everyone giving their heart and soul to this mission, we could be India. <laughs> and I, I'd really like to see that. And I think they'd really appreciate it also. Because they're tired of being ahead of everybody else in literature distribution in the world. It really gets boring at the top. And this is the yatra to topple India. So let's lean into this distribution of Srimad Bhagavatams and lean into hearing the Srimad Bhagavatam and change the world. When I joined the Hare Krishna movement and I was always looking around for the happiest devotees. I did a systematic study of who was the happiest devotee. And then I tried to find out what's the common characteristic amongst the happiest devotees. And I came to one conclusion at that time, and I still firmly believe in that conclusion even today, that the happiest devotees are the devotees who expand the mercy. The happiest devotees are the ones who reach out to others to share the love. 
the happiest devotees are the ones who embody that kindness, that generosity, that desire to help other people. Because if there's one thing that we can say, the essence of the Vaishnava is, is that compassion of heart to reach out. The Bhagavatam actually says this in the, you were talking so beautifully about the heart and how the process of hearing Bhagavatam cleanses the heart. But in the third chapter of the second canto, um, entitled The Change in Heart, Pure Devotional Service, there's a verse in which the Bhagavatam brings us face to face with our reality. And what the beautiful Bhagavatam says is, Tadasmasaram ridayam bateyam yadriyamane harinamateyai we read this verse and then we just become humble. Because what the Bhagavatam says is, if you are hearing the holy name of Krishna, but there's no transformation. If you're hearing the holy name, but the hairs are not standing on end. If you're hearing the holy name, but tears are not falling from your eyes. If you're hearing the holy name and you're not shaking, then there's only one conclusion. That the heart has become so hard. And so... I think coming to the Krishna Consciousness Movement, I realized how hard my heart was. You can put your hand on your heart now and tell me. Is it soft or is it hard? Hard. Such a hard heart. Even after so many years, a hard heart. And therefore, transformation doesn't take place when we are in contact with all these amazing processes of spiritual life. But one thing can powerfully break down the hard heart, and that is the spirit of compassion. Karamakandaraj once he said to me, he had, he had gone to South Africa, so he went to an African township. And in the African township, he was kind of walking around to different places and then he came to one place, it was kind of a, getting into the middle of the night. And he said, something I saw just like blew my mind. And what he saw was he looked inside this room in this African township and there were some devotees there and they had never been to a Rathiyatra. But what they were doing is on this tiny screen that they had, they were playing a video of like some Rathiyatra around the world and seeing the devotees dance in ecstasy and seeing the Jagannath Rathiyatra car being pulled and they were just having like a party. <laughs> they were just like dancing and singing as though the Rathiyatra was happening right there. And Kadama Kanwaraj, he said, when I saw how the Sankirtan pastimes captured them, then he said, it made me cry. He said, I don't know the last time I cried when I heard about Radha and Krishna's pastimes in Vrindavan. 
But when I hear of the Sankirtan Leela, when I see how Goranga and this beautiful movement of giving is changing people's hearts, when I see this thing, then it brings me to tears. And he said, therefore, uh, this spirit of giving, this Sankirtan movement, softens the hard heart. You see, if you have a hard heart, then one symptom of a hard heart is you're very impersonal. I can tell you a lot about that. <laughs> hard heart means you're impersonal. But the moment you engage in the Sankirtan movement, you just can't be impersonal anymore. You have to get personal with people. If you're on a street corner and thousands of people are walking by, you have to start getting personal with people, otherwise you don't stand a chance. <laughs> Sankirtan breaks this impersonalism. A hard heart means you're a miser. In Gujarati, we say, ganjuts. <laughs> hard heart means you're such a miser. I can also tell you a lot about this. But when you go out on Sankirtan, you can't be a miser anymore. You have to be generous. You have to give more than people give you. People don't give you much on the street. Once I stop someone, I said, yes, buddy, I'm a traveling mom. He goes, just keep traveling. sensitive, we don't see other people suffering. I remember when we used to go out on the marathon, then often we'd be the first on the street, and then we'd be last off the street as well. And there would be a time in the day, around 9 o'clock, sometimes 8, 9 o'clock, we would finish. And there would be a time on the, in the town center, about 8, 9 o'clock, when the whole transformation would take place in the city center. Because what would happen at about that time is all the shops would close and all the shoppers would leave. And in that moment, all the homeless people would then come. And each
each one of them would set up in front of a different shop as a knife. And then you realize, it's people's lives. Why should anyone have to live like this? It's not fair. It's not human. You can't, uh, you can't be insensitive when you go on Sankirtan because you are in contact with the reality. It brings you that sensitivity. And uh, what can I say? A hard heart a hard-hearted person is very serious. On Sankirtan, you learn to laugh and joke. <laughs> you have to do, open up, you have to loosen up, you have to connect, you have to be human, and you have to transcend their resistance with, um, with this very joyful mood. So I found for me that being generous, trying to be generous, I don't think I'm generous, but trying to be generous, trying to go out. Srila Prabhupada really gifted us with this opportunity of Sankirtan. Um, and it breaks down the hard heart. And when that heart becomes very, very soft, then we are able to experience the beauty of Krishna consciousness then maybe, yes, there will be some tears. Maybe, yes, we will read the Bhagavatam and start feeling the hairs on our body stand on end. Yes, maybe we'll be in a kirtan and genuinely shake. But that can only happen if we have a soft heart. So we have to overcome all this impersonalism, this harshness, this insensitivity, and here it is, Srila Prabhupada gave us all these books. And it's so beautiful. All we have to do is just go out and people are waiting. So let us keep this tradition going because there's so many beautiful ways in which the devotees are preaching now. Um, online, uh, virtual preaching, underground but let's not forget to be overground as well <laughs> along with all these innovative and new and beautiful ways to preach let's just remember that when you just go out there on the ground zero and you just connect with the people just you and the people uh, in that interaction in that arena uh, the transcendental pastimes of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu take place and the heart becomes soft. And so, um, yeah, I just thought to share that as you were talking about distributing the Bhagavatam and how, you know, we here at the manor, we have such a great opportunity. Uh, if we generate that energy amongst our community, uh, yeah, let us all go out. You know, look how many people there are in this room, you know. Two sets each, three sets each, you know, just go out there one day a week, one hour a week, whatever you can do. But just be part of it. And uh, it's so transformational. It, it's very practical also that when you make a determination that I'm going to try this, we like to say your pledge is your wedge. 
spoke to that has a small n and big n. Small n, the smaller the better. Because then it can enter into a, a space that's not available and then open it up as you, as you apply a little pressure. What I find exciting about the missionary aspect of the Christian consciousness movement is as soon as you make a pledge, and a very tangible one at that, when, when, it, when we're dealing with Srimad Bhagavatam, is to say that I'll pledge to distribute at least one set. Now when you say that, you're going to feel a little bit of exhilaration. I think that's a positive way to say it. You might also feel a little trepidation that what did I just do? Yeah, you could probably afford it, but at the same time, then you think like, well, how am I going to do this? Maybe let uh, Maharaj do it or somebody else. And I'll watch him and I'll listen to his lectures and so forth. But if you want to feel a direct current from the same time movement coming from the spiritual world, then make your own pledge. Say, I'll distribute at least one Srimad Bhagavatam set, give it to me now, here's the payment. And what will happen is you won't sleep that well that first night. That's a good thing. Because that means the spiritual energy is starting to pulse through your veins. And what you're going to find is that the ideas for how to distribute the Srimad Bhagavatam will come into your mind and heart from Lord Chaitanya. An example of this happened, and I heard it from my godbrother Rameshwar Prabhu, when in 1975, Prophet came to Los Angeles and he invited all the GDCs to come there because he wanted to make a proclamation, and that was he wanted the Chaitanya Charter to read it in two months. And when the, the two heads of the DDT at that time, Radhabala Prabhu and Rameshwar, were walking with Prophet and then a speech, Rameshwar said, that's impossible. And Prophet stopped and said, impossible is a word used only in a fool's dictionary. So Rameshwar told me this personally. Prophet walked on ahead, and then Rameshwar realized that I have to do this. And at the moment that he decided in his mind that I'm going to do this because Prophet told me to do it, that's exactly the time when all the ideas started flowing into his. He felt like they were pouring down on him the ideas of how he would be able to do it. So he ran ahead and said, Prophet, I have ideas. I'll need a few concessions to move this forward. So what happens? When you participate in these events that are available to us, we've heard the glories of Bhagavatam, and then you, then you say, I'll do at least once. Maharaj said two or three, so that's even better. You can put the boxes, they're big enough to put, if you put them end on end in front of your refrigerator at home and tell everyone that there's no, no eating, so these are gone. So there are innovative ways you can do it. But what you will feel when you make the pledge and you sincerely want to try and do it is you'll feel a direct connection to Lord Chaitanya and he'll start giving you the energy and how to do it. And that anxiety between when you pledge and when you're actually able to deliver the Bhagavatam set somewhere, that's where we make advancement in devotional service. So I hide so common. I highly recommend that everyone pledge, make a pledge. I do it, like, I'm always afraid to go and sing it. I don't know what's gonna happen, right? But 
I love the exhilaration of not knowing what's going to happen. Because we don't know anyway, but we think we do. But when you don't know what's going to happen after you make a pledge to distribute a Bhagavatam set, that's the kind of energy that brings you to the point of increasing your rounds, uh, being a nicer person, <laughs> everything that you have to do in order to make advancement in devotional service. I see that the organizers are circling. <laughs> One other thing while we're talking, I just wanted to say that I always notice before giving a donation that there's a trepidation. You know, my mind will say, well, cut it in half. You know, why do you give the whole thing? But if you actually do it, you get caught up in the moment and say, yes, I'm going to do it, even though you think you can't afford it, you'll notice something immediately that happens. First thing you'll notice is you're still alive. You might tell you'll never survive. You're going to starve. Whatever's going to happen, what about my kid's education? Everything's going to be fine. In fact, you're going to be better because when you give, you grow. And one other point about that is that everything we have now is going to be unceremoniously taken from us. Therefore, as taught to us by Bali Maharaj and many other acharyas, our doctrine is preemptive giving. Give it away before it's taken away. If you give it away with purpose for the Sankta movement, you get unlimited credit. If you wait till it's unceremoniously taken by one of your 52 cousins who needs money and you're the only one in the family that has money and therefore they come to you, or the government takes it from you, you don't get any credit. So it's really smart to be on the cutting edge and always be giving away what you have for the Sankhita movement following in the footsteps of Bolivar Maharaj. And that ought to be enough of a cue for you to stand up to give you an offer. Haridam Sankhitan Ki! Bukhishvishan Ki! His grace, Vaisheshika Prabhuji Ki! His holiness, Bhagavan Kesha Sai Maharaj Ki! So, um, we had some amazing kaka, we had some glories of the Shiva Bhagavatam, we heard about, um, you know, where we can repose or transfer, I'm not sure what the right word is, but, you know, give our focus, our love, and we know that obviously the object of love is Krishna, but how do we develop that love? by learning from the Bhagavad in the footsteps of the Gopis and the instructions of the Bhagavad is giving us. So on that note, as we know that this, this special conversation that ensued between our two wonderful personalities is not just for us to passively listen and go away, but also to call to action. So I'm going to very shortly ask um, one of the leaders of our Sangitan team, His Grace Vedanam Chandra to come up and actually share with us how we can get in touch and how we can get connected and really give ourselves, as Prabhu uh, Maharaj and Prabhuji have been saying, to actually give and share this Bhagavatam with others. The love that we have for Krishna be shown by what we do. Um, before that, however, maybe we can have some opportunity for a couple of questions. So if anyone has any questions for Prabhuji or Maharaj, then um, please do raise your hand. Okay, so we've got here Prabhuji and then I'll go to Rami around the job. 
attention is very out of mode distribution. What are the first three lines that you can say that captures attention to get the book uh, out, or at least have a conversation about it, because the retention span is very challenging to attain. Helpful not, not to go out to sell books. That's a daunting task or proposition. Go out just to make a, a conscious connection with people and try to make friends. And to make friends with people would be happy to exchange ideas with you and listen to what you have and so forth. So the first thing that we did when we went to Watford and I was talking to the devotees about the way I approach people is I find the people who are already ripe, as in when you pick ripe fruits, you pick the ripe fruits first and you get good at it. For instance, I'm an expert at avocados. I'm from California. <laughs> avocados are our, should be our state fruit. Uh, I'm elected governor. Uh, I can see from across the room what's a, a ripe avocado because I, I have one every day. And when you go out and you start noticing what people's countenances are and just make the conscious contact with them, I just say hi to people. As you're walking by, I'll say hi. There's a miracle that takes place when you interact with other living entities, and that is the miracle of consciousness. If you look at somebody and they look at you, there's this transmission. Like you're looking at me, I'm looking at you right now. Like what's happening? There's something happening here that's consequential. So look for that concept consequential circumstance where somebody, you say hi, they make eye contact with you and they'll show themselves. I won't get into a whole seminar here, but first thing is to make a conscious contact with people and then find some way to relate to them. If you just come up and show them something without any introduction of yourself or any connection or any method of selecting who you're gonna to talk to, then a lot of people uh, jump back because they're not sure why you're charging it or they assume you're, you're trying to exploit them in some way. So I could say more about it and have said more about it in many places, but that's the essence of it, is to make friends. question and deep down. So I have been in book distribution and a novice edition, but as you say, there's always an anxiety when you uh, get out and start talking about this. But just an extension there, when we talk about other books like Chanting Be Happy or you know, uh, Perfect Questions and Perfect Answers, it's easy to position it, but when it comes to Srimad Bhagavatam, objection having is very difficult, so to say. So I know Prabhu's here will have some seminars around it, but from your experience of doing it, because you gave a wonderful example of uh, how you ask a person to clean the place and place bathroom, it's more of convincing them. So if you have to um, do this, you know, or convince people who are not okay to get bad with them because of the volumes that are there, what would be a talking point on top of your mind, top one or two? It depends who you're talking to. There are higher percentage demographics to approach the Bhagavatam, for instance, Indians. 
generally Indians have a, some kind of context for the Srimad Bhagavatam. So when we go to meet people for the Srimad Bhagavatam, we generally go to areas where we know there are people that have some idea what it is. And one of the biggest selling points of the Srimad Bhagavatam is children. Because the Bhagavatam is stories. Bhagavad Gita, of course, is straight philosophy. It's a story within a story. But the Bhagavatam has so many stories that are relatable. There's Prahlad, there's Jiva Maharaj, there's Gajendra. You go down the list. And if you, if you mention that when kids hear the stories of the Bhagavatam, that they improve in all ways. And also, uh, it's helpful if you point out some of the kids. I mean, for, we have a flip book that we show people. And in it, we, we present our, our Radhika Raman Prabhu, the great scholar who is a child prodigy who learned to read from the Srimad Bhagavatam. So he was a kid, he had a PhD by the time he was 18, and now he's the head of the department at Utah State in religious studies and so forth. And he's, you know, he's, his countenance is, you just look at him, he looks like an Acharya. And if you show that and say, you know, your kids could read this too, there's pictures and so forth. The other point that we bring up when we're talking about the Bhagavatam is people's acharyas from people's areas. So if you meet somebody from a particular area, like South India, and then you mention Ramanuja, when you from North India, you mention their acharya and appreciate and say, yeah, this is what they all read. So it's, it's a science. And it's something that devotees have developed over time. And it, one of the basic rules of any book distribution is that if you if you have it available, you'll probably meet a person who's open for it. And if you don't, then you're not going to sell any. And I had this experience when I was at Rathi Asha in Los Angeles about 25 years ago. We were on the beach where the Rathi Asha takes place. I think we were there the day before, and we had set up a book table. Was he had a set of Bhagavatams in the back, and at that time I think they were about four hundred dollars. And he, everyone who came up to the booth, he said, "Did you already have Bhagavad Gita?" And if they said yes, he said, "Well, why don't you take the Bhagavatam?" And I was thinking, we're at the beach, people are in their swimming trunks, and you know, who's going to take a Bhagavatam set? That's what I was thinking. And I got busy talking to somebody else, and I turned around. And the Bhagavatam set was gone. I said, Bijak, what happened to the Bhagavatam set? He said, I just sold it. And then I realized that one of the basic tenets of selling the Bhagavatam or any other book is you just keep pointing to it. You just say, here, here's the Bhagavatam. Why don't you take the Bhagavatam? Because that's all he was doing for the, like an hour and a half. Why don't you take the Bhagavatam? Why don't you take the Bhagavatam? Yeah, I think I'll take the Bhagavatam. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have it, and you bring it with you, and you keep saying, you know, when you take the Bhagavatam, like, and there's a few ideas you can you can present to people, they'll take it. They will take it, and it's an exhilarating experience and life-changing when people take the Bhagavatam. Thanks for the question. You're calling on people, not me, because I don't know what it's about. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. Um, because actually a few more things I want to actually go through today. So we're going to just take one more question. So I saw Shivan uh, Prabhu, who actually put his hand up. I'm very sorry, but that's the last question we're going to have to take for today. But I'm sure there'll be more opportunities in the future. Um, and after that, 
Krishna, thank you for a wonderful school that was uh, your company. Um, in terms of pleasing Srila Prabhupada and Mahaprabhu and Krishna, um, is there a difference uh, if one purchases Bhagavatam and gives it to someone, uh, then going out and distributing it and getting a donation? <laughs> I'm just saying, Vish uh, dear Vishnu Prabhu here. Welcome to Vishnu Prabhu Haribo. And just as I saw him and you asked the question, I remember something he used to say on the street. I can't do his beautiful Italian accent. But he used to, someone would give a donation and they would say, How much? And Vishnu Prabhu would say, yeah. Something is better than nothing. <laughs> but more is better than something. <laughs> so yes, it's something. We all get involved. And that's wonderful. Prane Rathe Diya Bacha Shreya Acharanam Sadar. The Bhagavatam says, use your wealth for Krishna. But then the Bhagavatam also says, Pranir, Arte, you can also use your prana, you can also use your energy. Dhiya, you can also use your intelligence. Vacha, you can also use your words. So I would say, yes, that's beautiful. Everyone should be part of the revolution. So yes, if you have Artha, if you have wealth and you have that, a desire to dedicate that to Krishna, that's wonderful. You never say no to a donation. But we also want you to be fully absorbed and get the full benefit. We want you to be part of the Leela. We want you to be as instrumental as possible. And so, if your time allows and if there's space in your life and if there's no reason why you shouldn't, then why wouldn't you do it? Going out there, speaking to people, helping people, is the pastimes of the Lord. We used to have one Sankirtan leader, but we had different Sankirtan leaders. The first one, he used to get us together and he would say, okay everyone, we're going out, work now, somebody later. And it was a real, it was inspiring, but it was intense. <laughs> But then we used to have another Sankirtan leader and he got us all together in the morning and he said, okay everyone, now we're going to enter the pastimes of the Lord. Now we're going to enter the pastimes of Goranga. Now we're going to see the Sankirtan leader. And that was more inspiring. So don't be scared. Don't be inhibited. Don't think it's too intimidating to go out. It looks like that. In the beginning, everything looks like that. But once you're out there, it all changes. And Krishna comes. And Krishna is backing you up. So yeah, there's no difference. Do the best you can. And if the best you can right now is that you can donate because you don't have any other space, time, or energy in your life to do anything else, that's beautiful. Then Krishna gives you full marks for that. But if you can give, and then you also have space, time, where it's only a little bit of fear that's holding you back, then you should also try to break through. You become fearless. 
by being fearless. You just go out and uh, try. And just one last thing I'll say, and then I And also, that don't see sharing Krishna consciousness as an extra thing I've got to fit into my life. Like, my life is packed. I don't have any extra time to share Krishna consciousness. The Sankirtan devotee knows how through their life, through their day, through their week, in every forum, when coming across people, be a preacher. You can tell a Sankirtan devotee because they even preach at the petrol station. <laughs> you see it all the time. The driver goes in and then, you know, they don't come out for 15 minutes because they're preaching to the guy on the counter, you know. Because these guys are preaching everywhere. I remember when we used to walk off the street on Sankirtan, we'd be out for five hours and then it would take one hour to get like, from the spot back to the car because every time they were walking back, they were stopping someone. Because it just became part of their, it was running through their veins when they saw people at work, when they were at the shopping center, when they were, you know, at a wedding, at a garba, should I say. <laughs> They were preaching, they were sharing, they were giving. So let it just be part of you. And uh, it's beautiful. I'll make a brief comment. And because it is important to talk about donation. It's where the rubber meets the road. And the way I put it is that I don't want to deprive people of the opportunity to give something if they can. And the way I ask for a donation is when I explain the book to them and I'm handing it back to them or whatever it's a Bhagavatam, I tell them that we don't sell these in a normal way, like in a bookstore, but we ask for donations. And I say, we don't need the money. The reason we ask for donations is because when you give something in return for spiritual knowledge, it connects you, it prepares you to read the book. It's a kind of penance that you do. And I tell them it's an age-old tradition called Dakshina. When you're given some spiritual knowledge or inspiration, you give something in return. In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, don't give this to people who are not devoted or austere. You're, you're not allowed to give the, the message of the Bhagavad Gita to those who are not devoted or austere. So sometimes devotees ask me, so how we giving them to everybody, practically. Say, no, when we ask for a donation, that's the austerity. And you can tell by the, the look on their face sometimes, because you'll say, you know, it's a donation, and then they have to consider to give something in return. So it, the, the, the idea is, it's for them, it's not for us. And the other point is that it kind of tests what their faith is in it. So when you ask for the donation, there's a sense that you see the culmination of your conversation with them about it. And they'll, they'll uh, if they say, well, you know, I wouldn't give for this anyway. Uh, you kind of get an idea of what their value is. The last thing I'll say, which goes directly to your question, what would Prabhupada think about it? He told us, ask people, for the very reason that they'll value it more. And he told a story about a, a, a young kid who got the best mangoes in town. And then he went, went around door to door giving them away free. And people wouldn't take them. And they said, what's wrong with them? 
somebody pulled him aside and said, listen, kid, what you have to do is put a high price on the bangles, and then they'll know how good they are. So then he went out and gave a inflated price for the mangoes, and people said, oh, these must be the best, best mangoes, and take them. So it's for that reason that Prabhupada asked us to also uh, ask for donations. However, I agree with Maharaj that do the best you can, because anything starts the process, but it's good to keep in mind this principle of why we ask for donations. It's not like it's a business and we're trying to make money. It's a, a give and take based on the Dhatis Pratikamati principle in the nectar of instruction that, and I'll say it, and this is my last point, we don't want to deprive them of the opportunity to give something in return because that exponentially increases their interest in the book once they get it. Hare Krishna. Okay, so time is running, um, but before we do actually proceed to the next phase, um, of course, as Keshamaj mentioned, we do have a very special um, guest with us. Um, we didn't actually welcome in the beginning because I think it probably came afterwards, but um, it's quite auspicious actually because we're talking about Sankirtan and he has been our UK minister for book distribution now for many, many decades. He's a long-term stalwart devotee, pillar of the community of our Mana Yashra for many, many decades now. I'm sure those of you who come here regularly will definitely know him. Um, and it's also his birthday, his appearance day today. So many of you are like been sitting for a while. So instead of boring all with lots of statistics and figures and goals, I'm gonna focus on some videos share with you a significant message. So the first video is a video by Shira Prabhupada, where Shira Prabhupada asks the question, what is the main symptom of love? What is the prime symptom of love? What is the most important symptom of love? And let's see what the Prabhupada says. Love. 
After Srila Prabhupada arrived in America in a lecture dated December 21st, 1966, he explained to the disciples the power of applying the Guru's order. Prabhupada said, if you cannot do, if you simply think, how can I do, how can I do, how can I do, simply this, if you practically cannot do, but if you simply think, how can I do, oh then you also become liberated. Then you also become liberated and what to speak when we actually serve. So, Shri Prabhupada has given the order. I want every respectable family to have a sip of Shri Prabhupada. We simply have to think how to do, how to do, how to do. And this is from this beautiful book, Our Family Business, by Vaishishita Prabhu, chapter number three. And this book's at the back. Explain something very special at the end. So these are statistics. This is where we are, 45,000. This year is going to be 55,000 globally, and 20, 2,500,000. 2026. <laughs> this is another video, lovely video. It's a huge number, the world is the mind. Psychologically, we can take as uh, possible. So very quickly our goals, globally 55,000, Europe 1,800, Bhakti Vedanta Nana, 720 sets for this campaign. Last year we did 601 sets, it's, it's an increase. Uh, generally we split it up, 60% local distribution and 40% overseas. 
And this year we are tackling Africa. So our campaign started on 13th of March, um, and it goes on to 29th of September, Badra Purnima. A total of 26 weeks, 183 days, 91 days have passed. Halfway through, we've only done 65 cents. We need to mobilize. Yesterday we were in a meeting, we had the European Yatra. Uh, the message was we have to build capacity. At the moment, the team's small, but the community is so big. And our mantra for distribution of the manor has always been a little from a lot. Instead of a few trying to do a lot, if all of us get involved, we can achieve that very easily. But at the moment, there's only a few involved. So devotees, we are humbly requesting you to please become involved. Prabhupada said the Africans want our books. Distribution of books and magazines are the most important activity. Without books, our preaching has no solid basis, especially the Africans want our books. Devotees, I want you to carefully watch the next video I'm showing. And in about 33 seconds, you're going to see something very special. You're going to see how much the Africans want our books. So you're going to see a link, you'll see there's a form. And that form is your expression of commitment. Uh, the moment you commit, then we go into the business line. So dear devotees, while we're all here, we are going to seek you for you to please make a commitment in the Padre campaign. 
You can comment in different ways. One is you can take the set, two you can give the set, three you can sponsor a set, um, four you can distribute the set, and five you can advocate for the set. So you've got different options. But please choose one option, so choose all of And um, you also see at the bottom there, those who comment to join the budget campaign today, we have some special gifts for you. The beautiful book, Our Family Business. Actually, I had an experience, a very transformative moment once. I drove six hours to Exeter. And during those six hours, I listened to the audiobook of Our Family Business. It was the most exhilarating journey I ever had. It was beautiful. <laughs> so, anyone who comes today, we're going to give you the Our Family Book. The audio, our, the audio of our family business. And also, we're going to give you the soft copy of Maharaj's book, The Book Bhagavad. So, please sign up and we'll come into this case. Hare Krishna. And we have one extremely special gift. Do you know what this is? What is this? Tulsi beads, right? Do you know how special they are? Should I tell you? These big beads have been dipped every single kund in Vrindavan. In Radha kund, in Shan kund, in Yamuna, in all the holy places. But the predicament we have, we only have one of these today. So don't worry, because this is already going to be given to somebody extremely special tonight. And I'll tell you who that is, or maybe we'll hear directly from Maharaj or this Vaishashika Prabhu about that. But there is an opportunity. Anyone who pledges for a minimum of one set to try and distribute, gift, or sponsor to Africa is 125 pounds. To UK, if you want to take it for yourself, 175 pounds and 199 with the golden throne. If you pledge to take a set or to distribute or sponsor, His Grace Vaisheshika Prabhu, every year he buys at least 1,000 of these beads and he goes around in the Parikrama in Govardhan and he dips them in personally with his own hands and he then brings them back to America, and we also take some to UK. So we will bring this beach back for you, and it will be given to you at the end of, around at the end of Karthik this year. So we will have your details when you fill up the form, we will capture your details, and we will make sure that you get one of these beads, beads actually. So please sign up, it's a great opportunity. We have two tables, we have Chitralekha Mataji at the back, we have Nandavraja Prabhu at the back, and his wife who are giving the book, Our Family Business, and Mahatma. And you can sign up on the form directly anywhere which you have just scanned actually. So now before we conclude the program, we, we left the last, the best for the last. So I want to hand over very quickly back to, I want to sponsor set for the devotees who came yesterday. The day before yesterday. Yes, so Karine, uh, uh, there is a person who, he heard from Maharaj in one of his podcasts from a corporate organization in town. And he was from Ireland, he got to know Maharaj is coming here. He has no idea about Krishna consciousness. He wrote an email to me saying he just wants to meet him for half an hour. He took a flight from Dublin, flew into Luton, came over and two hours later he flew back. I said, let me take you to show you the temple. He said, no, my driver is waiting. He was definitely very well to do, very good family. But, and then I got him some prasadam and then he wrote back a beautiful email. So Maharaj is sponsoring a set of Bhagavatam which we will be shipping it to him in Ireland.
synchrotron movement. And I don't know how it would be possible, but to even increase the love that you give to the devotees because that's your natural tendency to pour out love to all the devotees. So I'm praying on this day, birthday, that all of the devotees at Gobanon Hill and the Holy Kuns will bless you and give you protection and increase your service in the Sanctum movement. Thanks for all you do. makes me feeling that I'm not alone because book distribution could be very challenging like Shishimoto was saying it's natural to feel scared because you go every day Weapon. 
friends to start to remember who they are, where they come from, what is the purpose of life, and where they go. So it's, it brings a great joy to, 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 to be the association of, of your grace, This country has given me so much. I have nothing. Uh, I came here with nothing. Uh, and then I went, when Babylon left, you know, I wanted to leave. Actually, I wanted to leave Scotland. I said in the class the other day, I felt a bit discouraged, but uh, then my passport was stolen. <laughs> <laughs> my money, passport. She runs one, so you're stuck. <laughs> From School of Bhakti side, we also every year try to give our bit for the marathon. If you look at the back, if Divu uh, Mataji, she can put her hand up. She's our School of Bhakti Sankirtan team leader. So, if anyone wants to get involved in the summer marathon that's coming up, 
and also the winter marathon that we obviously do in the December, the big one, then by all means, please do touch base with us. Um, also, we'd love Asha. If you need to know about the school, about the up and coming courses that we've got coming up, then please do um, touch base. And also, we've got the school about the website. And also, one of our biggest sanctuary warriors in our history of the Man Ashram is Great Janiki Nathuru. Some of you may know him. Great Brahmachari. We are having a Janiki Nathuru memorial event um, that is coming up on the 25th of, 23rd of July. 23rd of July, so please come for that. It's going to be amazing. Some of you may already know who he is, some of you don't know who he is, but it's worth knowing who this great person is. He left his body from cancer a few years back. Um, but 